in a certain point in my life, I thought everything is building until your marriage and then your marriage is what you experience for the rest of your life. And I feel like there's so many other things out there to explore in life. So it doesn't, it doesn't feel necessary to me the way it did before. Welcome to Big Little Choices. I'm Shri, and this show is about the amazing women and moms that all of us are surrounded with. Each episode will feature a woman that I admire and someone who has made a bold and unconventional choice because it's what's best for her and her family. This show is also about building community so you can hear stories that make you feel inspired and empowered to make choices that are right for you. I hope you enjoy the show. My guest today, Megan, grew up in a fairly traditional household as the oldest of four children. Her mother was devoted to taking care of the household while her dad worked and travelled. As a result of this work and travel, the family moved a lot every few years. And that gave Megan a love of new possibilities, whether taking new jobs, moving countries or getting used to being in a new situation. Megan tells her story of divorce, being a solo mom and the choices she's had to make for herself and her children. Megan met her ex-husband while she was vacationing in Mexico and he was visiting on work. And this was the start of their whirlwind romance. So he returned to France, I returned to LA. And we, when we met in Mexico, we had said, okay, if we're both still interested, on New Year's Eve, we're going to meet in Europe because my sister lived in London at the time. And so then we started keeping in contact by phone and then we said, okay, I'm going to fly out there to Europe and we're going to meet there for New Year's Eve. And so I went to France and then we flew together to London to spend New Year's Eve. And that was kind of our first time visiting each other. And then he came to visit me in LA. And so it was a bit of back and forth in the beginning. And at the time it was very exciting and romantic and very spontaneous. And how long did you date before you decided to get married? So not long at all. I mean, it was less than a year. We met in... The end of 2007, we were married in 2008, and our son was born in 2009. So it was all very fast. And what was it like making that decision of marrying him? Yeah, I think from the beginning, from when we met, it was very uh, just, you know, what people would describe as head over heels. You know, we were just joining our lives in a way from the moment we met. And it was very exciting and very romantic and exotic and thrilling. And, um, you know, as it happened, um, we realized that we were welcoming a child. And at that point, we made a really spontaneous decision uh, to get married, for me to relocate to France, for us to decide to create a family together. And it did seem, I mean, I'm sure there were people at the time who were like, this is crazy. What is she doing? But it was all really exciting. And, you know, we were so in love and it was like all these other things, you know, we'll just figure that out later. We'll figure it out later. We're just going to go ahead and do this and, and we'll figure out the details later. Can you talk about what those details were that you felt like should have been addressed then, but in the moment you just like you said, thought about, we'll just figure it out later. Yes, I, I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's basically the opposite of a couple who dates and then gets engaged and plans their wedding, and we did everything in reverse. We were still getting to know each other as we got married, as we became parents. So a lot of differences, like cultural differences, how we felt about religion, parenting decisions, none of that was discussed ahead of time. 
And those were things that we really had to navigate after our son was born. And, um, you know, I think ultimately those, some of them became things that we just never found a resolution for. And, um, you know, I think that's part of the reason why we ended up divorcing. Megan chose to move to the south of France for a few years after her marriage. In order to raise a bicultural child, she thought it was important for her to understand what it was like to be French. And it was a very exciting time for her. It seemed like an idyllic life, living in the house that her ex-husband grew up in, spending the early years of her marriage in south of France. But in many ways, it wasn't perfect. And at some point, Megan and her ex-husband were ready to move back to the U.S. You know, he at the time wanted to move to the U.S. also. Um, he'd never lived here before. And there was part of that, you know, kind of pulling a geographical where you say, like, okay, well, let's try this somewhere else. Maybe that'll fix things. And just for me, in the back of my mind, thinking to myself, if at some point this isn't working out, how do I take care of myself? How do I make sure that I'm in a position to provide for my... At that time, we only had one child. Um, so there was part of that also of feeling like I need to, to get back in touch with who I was because I lost some of that um, living in another country. So that was part of it also. So, you know, when you ultimately decided to get divorced, mm -hmm. was it a series of things that had built up over the years or was it one final thing that made you snap and made you feel like you didn't want to do this anymore? So it's both because I think for me there was an accumulation of things over time and there was a lot of reflection and a lot of ideas that were coming together. And then I had a moment of clarity where I thought, you know, this, this will not continue any longer. And it's interesting because I've spoken with other women who've been through a divorce that, that they have initiated. And then they do talk about kind of that moment of epiphany, but I think there's a lot of things that lead up to that. You know, it's, um, it's really exhausting being in a marriage that doesn't work and all of the effort that goes in trying to just have things be okay. Like you're putting in a supreme amount of effort and things aren't great, they're just okay. They're not terrible. Um, thinking about the impact it had on my kids, you know, there's this idea that you should stay together for the children and I hear that a lot and I know it's something that we've kind of bought into for a long time, but I reached a moment where I thought, this is not good for my children anymore. This conflict and dysfunction, it, it, it's not anything that's, that's helping them. Um, so that was part of it. And also thinking about what do I want the rest of my life to look like? You know, do I want to keep existing this way for the rest of my life? And what am I showing my children about what a marriage should be or any kind of relationship? And it was a lot of those ideas that had been on my mind and kind of building to that point of, of saying, this, I can't continue like this anymore. How many years did it take for you to make that decision? I would say it took about two years. Um, you know, the topic of divorce had come up pretty early. And at that time, the idea really frightened me. The idea of being divorced, the worry about uh, what would people think of me? How will I be judged? 
and also this this really this feeling of fear of like no we got married we're we're going to be together for our children this is what we should be doing and it was a really scary idea so i just kind of tuck it back in the back of my mind and i would say it was about 2 years you know 2 years before we divorced i was really at a breaking point and at that time we started going to couples counseling and therapy i started doing a lot of work on myself with my own therapist and just different ways of trying to build my strength and i would say it was probably about 2 years from that time to when we actually got divorced once she decided to get divorced megan got a lot of feedback and concern from well-wishers about her decision and particularly as to why she chose to separate from her ex-husband when there were no extreme scenarios in her marriage when i had spoken with someone they had said you know listen if if nobody's having an affair if nobody's physically abusive If nobody's got drug addiction, you should really try to work it out because that's really what's best for children and that's what's easier. And even when I would tell people, you know, this I'm we're separating, I'm getting divorced, it would be like, "But why? I mean, it's not like he beats you. It's not like he's having an affair." And and that that really started to bother me because I thought, "Well, wait a minute. Why should I be waiting?" for it to get so bad and so tragic that someone has an affair or somebody crosses a line you know i'm i'm living in this space that is somewhere in between two extremes of a really awful you know sort of acceptable reason to leave and this this idea of a healthy functioning marriage that i don't have either and and that was something that i wasn't okay with anymore and i think it's something that that's a really idea that i'd like to explore a lot more and see us explore in general is that it is okay if somebody decides that they need to make a change even if it's not one of these really extreme cases like why wait around being unhappy for things to get worse is there a point when you decide that i can't do anymore you know i can only speak from my own experience because i think it's probably that point is different for different people Um I think for me it was it was seeing my children not thriving and and I had for years kind of waited for some clear sign you know some really monumental event to happen where I would know like this is done this is an acceptable reason to leave right because that's kind of the way that I had thought about it in a way that a lot of the people think about it like you need a good reason right a reason that other people can recognize and identify and accept to be able to leave and what it came down to for me was seeing that my children were not thriving and realizing my own exhaustion of how how hard i was working and things just were not they weren't getting better and really connecting to kind of the futility of that and and the feeling of like what am i doing why am i spending all this energy on this in this way and an idea came to me also of is this what i would want for my children so if my daughter or my son came to me in 20 years and described a similar situation would i say to them you know you should really wait for something really bad to happen but until then just just keep trying or would i be able to say to them you know it's okay you know if you're not happy and the situation isn't getting better and people are suffering 
then, then it's okay. And I think the idea of two households functioning versus us being in the same household with conflict, with dysfunction, that idea suddenly was something that I could wrap my head around and I could accept. And that was really a turning point for me. I think there is this tendency to not talk about marital problems and there was a lot of sort of shame that I felt about it and being afraid to discuss it. And, and then sort of these, these moments occurred where people came into my life that, that I would meet who were going through a divorce or I would find out they'd been married previously and I would ask them a lot of questions about their experience. And it's sort of, I started looking outside of the people that I knew intimately to see like there are people having a different type of family. And I think that's something that I know that this couldn't have happened anywhere else except San Francisco because there are so many examples of different kinds of families and um, you know people who aren't even married who are raising children together or single parent households. And I think I had to really see that and start connecting to that to be able to accept it for myself. And what was it like breaking the news to your children? That's really interesting because, you know, we started with a separation initially. Um, and so we had been going to couples counseling and we said, okay, we're going to talk to them about this because it's, it's pretty clear that we're not behaving as a married couple at this point. And, um, I was really worried about it. I was envisioning like a scene from a movie where like the children are crying and, you know, life is so unfair. And, when we told them and explained to them that we weren't able to be the best parents we could be while we were living in the same house and that we were going to have two different houses and that we loved them the same, but that everybody would be able to get along a little better. I mean, there were no tears. There was no surprise. And, and that was really a moment where I said, this is the right thing to do. Like things are not going well in our household and this is the right thing to do. And, and even our children are not surprised by this news, which is not to say that it was always easy after that, you know, um, particularly after he moved out. Um, there were moments, you know, I remember after the divorce, my daughter, who's younger, she's five, she was crying one night about something else, but I could tell it was really about this situation. And I asked her what she was thinking, and she said, I really wish that you and daddy were still married. And, you know, in that moment, it was hard to hear that, but it gave me a chance to say to her, you know, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be angry. That's okay. Everything you're feeling is okay. And I love you. Your dad loves you. Your brother loves you. And we're going to be okay. And that was, it was really important to have that moment with her. So what kind of deliberate choices did you have to make then once you left the marriage? I had to make some changes in terms of, I felt I had to make some changes in terms of the examples that they saw. Um, and part of that was changing schools. And I wanted to be in a school that I felt represented different types of families rather than you know, traditional two-parent households. And that was important because I wanted them to be in a classroom of kids and being able to see, for them not to feel like they were the only ones 
that, that came from a divorced household. So th- that was important. Uh, I think having friends that we spend time with, you know, that, that might have, whether it's a single parent family or two parent family, them seeing different families, I think is really important. And figuring out where that support is because you, you know, as a parent, you don't have the same amount of time or resources when you're a solo parent on your own with kids and being able to ask for help, you know, things get hectic and crazy and, you know, being able to ask and accept help when it's offered to you. So, um, there will be nights that I'll bring them over to a friend's house so that I can go and get some things done. Um, or we have our short list of sitters that they know might come over and figuring out where in the community, you know, our church is really important to us. Um, there's resources within the city for parents with young children that provide support and discussion formats, which is really helpful. So I think we really had to look outside of our house to think about where can we create more support for us as we go through this. How supportive has your family been through this whole journey? I would say my siblings have been super supportive and, you know, I did not talk to my family at all about the problems I was having in my marriage. You know, I might have hinted at it, but it didn't seem like something that I was afraid it wouldn't be accepted. Uh, You know, my parents have been married for 41 years. Um, My dad's parents went through a really acrimonious, contentious divorce that you know, I think we're still seeing the repercussions of. So there was a lot of fear about whether or not they would accept it. And my my siblings, once I opened up to them, have just been phenomenal, really supportive, really helpful. Um, I think my parents would prefer that this wasn't happening, but, you know, to their credit, they're not giving me a hard time about it. You know, I think my dad has a harder time understanding it than my mom does. Um, And so I think we just, we don't talk about it a lot. Um, But, you know, it's just, I've kind of accepted that they have their own way of dealing with it. And that's okay. I think we kind of reparent ourselves in our community anyway. And um, so just being accepted, accepting the fact that they have their own emotions that are tied up in it, that I don't really have any control over. So speaking of community and family and all of that, what are the kinds of responses you heard that made you feel better? Or what do you wish you had heard that would have helped you through this process? Yeah, that's great because I think the most common thing that people say or have said to me when I've told them I'm separated or I'm divorcing, they immediately say, I'm sorry. Which is the same thing we say to people when someone has died. And I don't, you know, I think to them, that's, that's the appropriate answer. But in my situation, this was something that was a positive step forward for me. And I think the responses that were more helpful were when people would say, is there anything I can do to help? What can I do? Because in responding that way, they're kind of showing me an acceptance of my decision and what's happening. Um, rather than them saying, I'm sorry, and me having to say, no, no, it's a good thing. I'm fine. I'm really happy, you know? Uh, so, and I think the best response I got was my uncle had come to visit and he didn't know what was happening and had inquired about my ex-husband <laughs> who was no longer living there. And so I, you know, I told him that, that we were divorcing and, 
he was a little surprised. And then right before he wrapped up his visit, he said, you know, I'm sorry about your situation, but you're a smart kid and you're going to figure this out. And I, it was great. You know, it was like him telling me, you're strong, you're going to be all right. It's going to be tough, but you're going to be okay. Given the experience you've been through, would you be open to marriage again? It's something I haven't put a lot of thought into. Um, people ask me, I mean, people ask me a lot when I would tell them about this, are you dating or is there someone else? Because that's the only way they could imagine a woman leaving her marriage. Well, there must be somebody else. But it's not something that I'm interested in right now. Um, that's not to say it would never happen, but it, my life is so full right now with my children and my career and my friends and these new experiences that I never had room for that I'm not ruling it out, but it's just not something I can picture for myself right now. And, and maybe something will happen down the road, but it's not something I'm seeking out. And if I never got married again, I would be okay with that. Like I'm, it doesn't scare me. It doesn't bother me. I would be completely fine. And do you think that's because you've been through a bad experience or do you just feel like been there, done that, I'm ready to explore other things in life? I think that I don't think about it the same way. I think when I was in a certain point in my life, I thought everything is building until your marriage and then your marriage is what you experience for the rest of your life. And I feel like there's so many other things out there to explore in life. So it doesn't, it doesn't feel necessary to me the way it did before. I wanted to share Megan's story as soon as I heard her speak at a mom's event. She's open, authentic, and as you heard, very comfortable sharing who she is and the choices she's made. I'm Indian and divorce is especially taboo in our culture. And unless there's an extreme case of abuse or infidelity, families often ask the couple to work it out or stay together for the sake of the children. So it was really refreshing and wonderful to hear Megan's perspective on why she chose to initiate the divorce, even when it wasn't an extreme scenario and why she had to do it for herself and her children. We wrapped up our chat by talking about the challenges of going through a divorce, but being able to find courage and community to make that difficult life decision. What is it about divorce that's so hard? I think there's the logistics and the finances and everything else, but when you're in the middle of it, it's really hard to see outside of what's going on. And there's the shame of it, of feeling like, okay, now I'm a divorced person and the isolation that comes with that. And then just being in the relationship and not knowing what's going to happen or how you're going to get out or how things are going to work out. It's this, this feeling of suffocation and, and just being stuck. And I think when you have a community of people that have been through the process or maybe they don't even know what they're going to do yet, you're able to share those feelings and kind of see beyond it. Like, okay, there is a resolution to this. Life will move forward there are ways that I can deal with this. And that's why I think the community and being open about it is so important. What are your final thoughts on how did you find courage and how do you think women should find courage when they're making difficult life decisions? I think what really changed things for me in terms of tapping into courage was being open and honest about what I was going through. Because it was only through doing that 
that I did have people who were willing to be emotionally supportive of what I was going through and the decisions I was making. And I think that's really the first step towards any bold choice is saying it out loud and you come to terms with it. And by sharing stories, then you find the people who've either been through it or thinking the same thing or can provide you know, support to you during that time. And it happens to me now that I'm open about my story and I'm very comfortable talking about it. I meet women who, you know, will start crying and say, oh my gosh, I've been going through this for years and I feel so alone. And, you know, so I think it's really important to kind of get to a point where we don't feel as ashamed talking about what we're going through, because that's really what allowed me to connect to different things to give me strength. And it's still, you know, I have a group of women that I've gotten to know who are all in some stage of the process. And it's an incredible room to be in. There's no judgment. Um, There's nothing but support, even no matter what your circumstances were. So I think that is the biggest thing that I would put out there for people is um, to just try to be open about what's happening and you'll end up finding the support and the resources and they might have been people that you had assumed would never accept or would never understand thank you for listening to this episode and i hope you enjoyed it i'll be back soon with another interview and until then if you have any feedback or comments on the kinds of choices you want to hear more about let me know